If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-U.S. wines, I find them extremely helpful and helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials. Welcome into the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online. Pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley, as always. Today, we're in a little bit more Avs news on the day. They have signed AJ Greer officially. It is a one-year deal, 735K in the NHL, only 90,000 in the minors. So we can kind of dive into this deal. He still hasn't had his hearing. That's still a month away for his assault charges. So we're kind of going to have to dance around that because we still don't have a whole lot of details there. But the contract Mm -hmm. itself... Not much of a raise at all, is it? Uh, no, it's, I mean, it's not any kind of a raise. Uh, yeah. His NHL salary went down. Uh, his AHL salary went up by 20K, but uh, he loses all signing bonus and performance bonus potential. Right. So not, uh, really not a great deal, especially since the abs have been handing out uh, AHL money, man, like left and right. Yeah, right. A bunch of 300 plus K contracts that they've done. And this is not anywhere near that. Well, and, and you look at the success that he had last year right? in the AHL as an AHL player, and he only gets a 90 K deal in, uh, in the AHL after what? 44 points in 55 games. Arguably the best player on the Eagles, at least for the full 200 feet. You could argue Agazino was better offensively because he he tore up the league. But yeah, yeah, it's really surprising to see that. Well, and Sheldon Dry's got four hundred and fifty thousand dollars as a a guarantee. Yep, as a minimum after eleven points in twenty five games. Like they've been flexing their financial muscle all off season in the AHL, and then when it comes to taking care of one of their own, they just didn't. Yeah. It, again, you, you do wonder how some of the offseason stuff that happened plays into that. But even so, his on the ice product is, is clearly worth more than what this deal has shown at the AHL level. And to be honest, you would hope he does get into more NHL games this year, if not carving out a spot for himself. It's 
an uphill battle. Yeah. And where he's going to have to find a role got a lot tougher this year. It did. Through, I mean, through like just the abs deciding, hey, right. <laughs> we're going to remake our second line. We're going to remake our third line. And it's going to have a trickle down effect to the fourth line. Yeah. They not only did they remake those lines, they added bodies that are higher caliber players than they've had in their lineup in the past. Absolutely. I mean, you certainly hope so anyway. Right. <laughs> but uh, I, I think on paper going from, you know, they, they had a second uh, in, in the postseason last year, they had a second line at the end with Tyson Jost and, uh, you know, Carl Soderberg and JT Comfer and Colin Wilson and, and all those guys sort of like rotating around each other. Yeah. And this year they've got at least Nazem Kadri uh, and Andre Burakovsky that they are absolutely planning to give top six minutes to. Yeah. I don't think there's any doubt there. The, the last spot is kind of up in the air, which I imagine we'll talk about a bit in the next segment or two. Yeah. And, and temporarily we're expecting it to be Tyson Jost. Right. And so that just kind of pushes everything down and it pushes, I mean, it pushes Kamenev off the roster or off the ice. Yeah. And and into the the press box, like just makes perfect sense to look at how they're going about their business and saying they've already got their 12 guys. Kamenev is the 13th guy and Greer would have to be the 14th guy. And he's going to be fighting for that position against a Sheldon Dries who they're Mm-hmm. Already paying 450k in the minors, so it, it's not that much of a financial difference if you're calling up a dries as compared to a Greer. Yeah, um, and and not only that, but I mean Logan O'Connor's here. Yep, you know Martin Cout is here. Lots of lots of returning bodies that are going to be gunning for that job. One difference with Greer is that waiver eligibility. He will have to pass through waivers to get sent down this year. I'm not sure. Earlier in the year, I would have said for sure. I think he gets claimed if you try and send him down. Now with this offseason stuff, I think yeah. there's a chance that he can get through, maybe even a decent one, but it's still a risk there, in my opinion. Well, you have to remember that, uh, you know, this is something that, that Dater used to talk about a lot, but winning the press conference is a thing. Yeah. And any kind of claim of AJ Greer, your first Google search who's AJ Greer. <laughs> yeah. And fair. that's what they're going to find is AJ Greer arrested in Manhattan. Right. And so there's going to be a question. And, and and to be honest with you, it sounds like it was nothing. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds like an extremely minor incident to the point where the guy, the guy who was supposedly beat up doesn't want medical attention. Right. Like guys, guys, not that beat up. If he's like, nah, I'm good. The charges, to be clear, are misdemeanor level. It's not right. even a felony, so he's right. not gonna like face jail time or anything. It's but. it's it, it was more of a this was a dumb thing for you to get involved in, right? More than like a oh my god, like we're not we're not having like major like real world conversations like with the Tyreek Hill stuff in the NFL, yeah. you know, where yeah. did he beat his child or didn't he? Yeah. You know, like you're having you're having like really, really concerning conversations there with A.J. Greer. It's like he got he got drunk and got into got into fisticuffs at like six o'clock in the morning in Manhattan. And like there were some bad decisions that led there. There's no way he gets into that situation without some bad decisions. 
but ultimately it's not like a big deal here. Right. It's it ended up a big deal because it got publicized. I'm sure there's lots of minor stuff like this that has happened with hockey players every single year. That doesn't. <laughs> and you just never hear about it because everybody kind of just moves on. Right. And I suspect that is what will ultimately happen with Greer in the, in this case. It's mm-hmm. it's something that will fade to the background, but you kind of wrote about it in your article today as well. There is a question mark about Greer off the ice, and this certainly added fuel to the fire. So there were some things, and I won't get into specifics here because I ethically I can't. Uh, but there were some things that happened in the locker room last year that I was around for. Happened right in front of me. I was actually part of one of these incidents. Not a big deal. Um, it's It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like some huge thing and there's like a massive cover-up going on here. Uh, but just one of those things that it, it happens in a locker room and you don't really get into it. You know, you you don't you don't talk about it as much. Right. But it, it struck me as an odd incident. And when I started asking around uh, both organizations, the Avalanche and the Eagles, because I got the sense that there was something up. Sure. AJ Greer had been very, very good in the AHL. Yes, no doubt about that. Like dominant. There's something that we should really point out here because we say AJ Greer had been he's been really good in the AHL, but outside of Miko Rantanen and the one year he spent in the AHL, yep. The Avs haven't really had a forward who was a real prospect. You know, they've had Agazino and but guys like Agazino, right? <laughs> who have been very, very productive, but who are like career AHL guys. Yes. They have not had very many true prospects succeed at a high level in the AHL, especially at forward. Mm-hmm. They haven't had a lot of that success. They haven't had a, a, a lot of high end production. And what Greer was doing is a little rare. In that outside of outside of Rantanen, it he's he's producing at a level that says, "Why is this guy here?" Right, I I agree. I think the closest comparable beyond Rantanen is JT Comfer's numbers, yeah. who was there for three quarters of a season. Right, and, and, and he was up. That was the thing is that Comfer was there for half a season, maybe a little more than half a season, and. They were uh, that, urgent to get him into the NHL. Well, and, and that was that was the lost season where there was no downside, and they were True. they they thought they were going to have traded Matt Duchesne by the deadline. Uh, and they were gonna have like this call-up bonanza, and it was gonna be a total like resetting, and none of that none of that ended up happening. Yeah, it ended up basically being just Comfer. <laughs> it was just Comfer. Yeah, it was. It was just Comfer that ended up called up as like a meaningful real prospect. But you're right in that Confer's the only guy. Yep. And when you see the, hey, you know, Confer's not an elite NHL player, but he's carved out. He's carved out a, a he just signed a four-year contract. Right. Very like, clearly a third-line floor type of player. Right. Like, that's a, a contributing player. Yep. And Greer's production is right in line with what Confer produced at the same age. Yep. And similar play styles, too. Both, both skill guys with kind of agitating games where they, they like to, they like to poke and prod and be obnoxious. Uh, And ultimately they're probably bottom six guys in the NHL, but quality guys that can help you out. 
the difference with Comfort was that he showed up and was a pro from day one. And yeah. Greer, that's an area, it's a maturity thing that has continued to hold AJ Greer back. And I don't I don't say this to to AJ Greer's not a bad guy. He's not he's not like some like deeply troubled young man who's got these, you know, he's got such oh, he's got a dark side. I think AJ Greer is just struggling more to figure out who he is as an adult and as a pro than a guy like Comfer uh, or a guy like Jost or a guy like Kerfoot, you know, some of the younger guys that they've had in recent years who have come in and found success right away. I think Greer is just struggling more to figure that out. And it's a good reminder that maturity is not linear. We don't all mature as people the same way. And when we're talking about AJ Greer's struggles, it's as much talking about his maturity away from the game as it is on the ice because we've seen him grow on the ice. We've seen Clearly, what he can do. Yeah. And I think when when he was at his best in the NHL last year, he was significantly better than anything Gabe Bork ever did. But I wasn't it was, even that close. Yeah. It it was the frustration of there was inconsistency, which you do expect with a young guy. Yep. But there was inconsistency off the ice, and there was something missing that the coaching staff and to be honest with you, the leadership group in that Avs locker room was looking for from him. They need to find, he needs to get on the same page with the rest of his organization because it's clear that he's, he was the guy off the page last year and that no amount of good play in the AHL will just give you a job at the NHL that he has to, he has to earn it every day and that it has to be a day-to-day commitment to doing things the right way, the avalanche way, the way that they want them done. That's how you fit in. That's how Gabe Bork got went from PTO to mainstay. That's how that process works. That's why Gabe Bork was so respected uh, by the coaching staff and his teammates. It's not always about talent. It's not always about who's the best player, but who's the best fit. And last year, they determined that that was not A.J. Greer. And he needs to have a long look in the mirror this summer, especially after the Manhattan incident. And he needs to decide who AJ Greer is going to be as a professional hockey player on the ice and off because we've seen on the ice. There's no reason this kid is not, should not be in the NHL and doing just fine. He's built perfectly for today's game. He's a good skater. He's a good, he's a, he's, he's got a good power element to his game. He's got enough skill to chip in. He belongs in the NHL. And I don't think there's any question from that. And I don't even think the abs have too much of a question about that. It's can he get to the level of accountability and day-to-day consistency as a professional, as a person that he needs to be at in order to be a productive member of the organization and live up to the standards that they have now set in that locker room. That locker room has turned into a a, a chemistry machine. Great chemistry can help you overcome a lack of talent or a, I'll say a talent disparity, not lack of talent, like they're bad. (laughs) But we've seen the last two abs teams have very much played for one another. And if you have a guy in there that's not on that page, you know, say what you will about Sven Androgetto's limitations on the ice, but he was very well liked off of it. He was a guy that showed up and worked every single day and earned that respect. He understood what it was to be a pro every single day. And that's yeah. why he fit in, and that's why that group was as tightly knit as it was. Is top to bottom, those guys understood. 
those Nathan McKinnon is in there every single day. It does not matter how good he is, what his status is. He's in there working and grinding every single day. And that needs to trickle all the way down to the bottom. And you take care of your business like a, like a pro does. And that's the area where AJ Greer still needs to improve. And if he does, he'll be on the abs. He'll be productive and he will absolutely live up to that potential that he 100% still possesses. Yeah, I think you nailed that one right on the head there. I kind of just let you run because you you hit just about every single point that you can on covering that side of what's going on with A.J. Greer. He still has his contract. He's still in the organization. He still should have the opportunity to create an NHL career for himself. He just has to do all of the things you mentioned. Go ahead and wrap up segment one there. In segment two, we're going to talk a little bit more about Greer, how he can fit into the Avs lineup and some of the competition he has. But I know for me, when I am trying to build a lineup, at least in fantasy hockey, it helps to have a beer or two to loosen me up. So it's time to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of BSN Denver. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. You've probably heard of their delicious vanilla porter, their oatmeal stout, and most people's personal favorite, the world-famous Avalanche, which is their classic American amber ale. But they just released a new beer called Strawberry Sky that you guys are going to love. Your beer enthusiasts out there, they are calling this a light-hearted Kolsch ale, but for those of you who have no idea what that means, this is that light, delicious summer beer that you've been looking for. So look for Strawberry Sky at your local liquor store or any other Breckenridge beer, and make sure you also look out for the Breckenridge event calendar on bsndenver.com. We just launched it a couple weeks ago now. We've used it for a few events already. You can see all of our upcoming events there as well, so be sure to RSVP. Come drink some Breck beers with us and have a good time. We will be back after the break for segment two. Tax debt is impeding the growth of millions of small businesses in the U.S. That's why Symbio Tax and Administration's goal is to enable small businesses and individuals to make informed and calculated decisions when it comes to their taxes. Symbio Tax provides small business owners with expert services in resolving tax liabilities and providing financial clarity. I would recommend George to anybody who has to deal with the IRS. His strengths and depth of knowledge make him really valuable. You know, over the course of years as a real estate broker, I've had the opportunity to talk with many different tax people. But the one thing I have found with George is he was very easy to work with. He was very articulate. SymbioTax is experienced in preparing returns for all income levels, as well as securing penalty abatements and settlements for qualified individuals that sometimes save the taxpayer thousands. George was able to save us about $7,000, and of course, you know, being an independent real estate broker, $7,000 is a substantial amount of money, and it was really nice to get that dealt with. They offer free consultations, so be sure to check out SymbioTax.com for more information. That's S-Y-M-B-I-O. TAX.com. Segment two of the BSN Avalanche podcast coming at you with Nathan and AJ. AJ, I had a thought earlier today. I don't know what your number was back when you actually played hockey. I was curious what your number was and what your favorite jersey numbers are. Um, I was four because Rob Blake was my favorite as a as a kid. Uh, I go. was I was very close to eight because Santa's Ozil Lynch was my guy. <laughs> But, uh, no, Rob Blake um, was very much the kind of defenseman that I wanted to be. Uh, when I found out that I had more uh, speed than size, 
I kind of altered that and became an offensive defenseman, but one who really prided himself on being able to play a little defense along the way. So awesome. uh, four four was it for me, uh, but my, my favorite jersey numbers have always been 4, 12, uh, 24, and 44. You were just on the Tyson Berry train before you even knew it. Uh, sure, and John Michael Lyles. I mean, yeah, true. Lyles too. That's this is why McCarr needs to switch his number to four, or Bowen <laughs> Byram needs to take it because forty four is taken already. Well, if McCarr takes it, no one may ever wear it again. So <laughs> it's it's true. He needs to he needs to think long and hard about that jersey number because it might be the last time a yeah. player takes it. <laughs> right. For my side, just bringing it up my first number was eight and this is more of a baseball thing for me i played a lot of baseball as a kid uh i played picked eight because that was my age on the the first really truly competitive team i played for uh so it was just my favorite number and later Mm -hmm. in in life i i changed it to three because visually three is half of eight i know that sounds weird because four is half of eight but if you take a three and mirror it it makes an eight so I changed to three later, and, and eight and three have always been two of my favorites. Nice. Three three has never been a very popular number with the Avs, though. So, Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, not, it's not one of their more illustrious numbers. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually pretty interesting. Maybe someday <clears throat> we'll go through some of the numbers. Some of them have, have really interesting history. But yeah. for today's show... A couple of the numbers that we're going to be looking at is AJ Greer's, who's 24, the newly minted 81 for Kamenev, some other competition there. Martin Kaut, still not sure what he'll be wearing in the NHL, but those are three guys that you're kind of looking at as likely potential injury replacements. We've already kind of mentioned Kamenev is the 13th forward. Maybe throw Sheldon Dries into that conversation as well. How do you see the Avs fitting all of these young prospects, including Greer, into the lineup as this year goes on? I hate to derail what is a, a great question, but who <laughs> was the last 81 I for the Avs? Was it Tomas Mitsuer? I believe it was. I, I have to look it up. I actually have the... Yeah, Vinsur is the only other 81, at least oh, according wow. to hockey reference. Uh, I remember the day he got traded. Since we're on this uh, this number anyway, Burkowski will be the first 95 ever for the Avs. Which is kind of interesting. I'm, cu- I'm, I'm curious why he changed. I mean, 6 is an upside-down 9. I think he used to wear 95 at some point in juniors. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. But, yeah, I'm not sure either. I guess he was born in 95, so <sighs> that makes sense. But I don't know why he didn't like 65 anymore, because that was available. Yeah, that's in Colorado. Sixty-five was there, and it was just like, well, you know. I always, I always wondered if uh, McKinnon was going to switch back to twenty-two when he got uh, the opportunity to. And I remember asking him about it, and he said that he was going to stick with twenty-nine for the rest of his Colorado time because I'm a twenty-nine now. I like that. I like that style. Once you get a number, just make it yours. Yeah, right. I think it's. I think it's cool. Um. To go back to your yeah. actual question, yeah. how where do all these guys fit in? Where 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 do I just put the shrug emoji? Because <laughs> somewhere yeah. this is it's a tough call. 
it it really is not easy to figure out just what the plan is with this many this many bodies and for the first time in a long time we're talking about actual prospects here yep and not like ahl filler guys that we're dreaming on or we're just expecting to do something we're talking guys with real upside with nhl upside and and then you have like a, a Dries and maybe an O'Connor who I'm a little lower on than some of the other these other cats, but for sure, still like border like fringe NHL players. Uh, and yeah. and where they where they're all gonna fit in, man. I it it might really come down to something as simple as who gets hurt first. Yeah, absolutely. It, especially. If a center goes down, you kind of you're counting out a Greer or a a Cout type of player. Now they will have Kamenev right there, yeah, to step into that role. But it's pretty rare that you can get through an entire season with just one injury at a time. Yeah, you expect the couple players to go down, and then they'll have some decisions to make. Uh, you've alluded to in the past. You suspect that Sheldon Dries might end up being the 14th forward. I also wonder right now, even if you count Ian Cole as injured, the Avs have eight defensemen mm-hmm. on legitimately NHL contracts and then nine if you want to count Byram as well. Right. And then ten once Cole is healthy, but likely Byram will be gone or someone will be down by then. But it's going to be hard to fit. If you go eight D, you can only have thirteen forwards. So people are going to get sent down to the minors and get moved around this year. Yeah, uh, there's they arguably this is as deep as the Avalanche have ever been uh, since their cup contention days. Yeah, because defensively, I think there are 12 guys that I would be comfortable with playing in an NHL game. You've got, you know, Johnson, Cole, Z, Barbario, Connaughton, McCarr, Graves, Gerard uh, on the NHL roster now with Callie Rosen is kind of like the. Is he on the right. NHL roster? Is he not? We don't really right. know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then you would have, uh, you know, Byram and then maybe Timmons and Malosh and Mark Alt, Anton Lindholm. So 13 guys that could play in an NHL game for you and you'd feel like, okay. Like, this isn't the worst. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this, this could certainly be worse. Yeah. Uh, though if you're getting down to Lindholm, you already know like the the, the limited upside that you're getting. I mean, and yeah, that's a lot. Forward wise, I think it's been a very long time since they. I've, I felt like they were this deep, uh, right. where you know, legitimate like twenty point guys are are likely slated for their fourth line in uh, either Colin Wilson, Matt Nieto, or Matt Calvert. Yeah, at, last year at any given time they were one injury away from playing Gabe Bork right and played him over some guys too because it was like okay well you know there were there were times where Sheldon Dries and Gabe Bork were two-thirds of a fourth line and right now you can make a reasonable argument that your fourth line is Matt Calvert Pierre Edward uh, Belmar and Matt Nieto with Vladislav Kamenev as the replacement center and right. that's that's much deeper than last a year. A whole different world, basically. And then you do have the guys that we've talked about a little bit already in this thing. You know, you have a Logan O'Connor, Martin Kaut, um, Sheldon Dries, AJ Greer, uh, and then throw in even a guy like Shane Bowers. Sure, yeah, for sure. 
and Especially if your centers go down. Right. That center depth is going to be a big thing because we found out last year Sheldon Dries really isn't a center. Not really. <laughs> He's really not a center. For some insane reason, Martin Kautz listed as one. He's not one either. It's Shane yep. Bowers. Yep. As as the top center, you know, last year they used Andrew Agazino as their one C. He not a center. Yeah, they loved using wings as centers down there. Last so year. it, you know, and hey, maybe the guy that we're not talking about is TJ Tynan. True. Maybe that's the center that we don't see coming that ends up breaking in as the fourth line guy, as the they expected him to be an AHL guy, and you know, it's hard to find centers. So this is where they, this is the guy that they chose. So. You know, it's it could just depend on how the injuries shake out, but really you're talking this goes 17 forwards deep before you start, I think, getting into a real stretch here into 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 reaching for guys because yeah. you have the 13 guys now and then you do have O'Connor, you do have Cout, you do have Greer, you do have Dries. And then getting in beyond that you know we we don't know we haven't seen bowers uh technically we haven't seen cal but he's a guy that i'm just i'm very comfortable with as a as a pro player knowing what he is i don't think he would hurt the abs right now today even well where does he fit where what is he's an interesting cat because we talked about this off air a little bit as we were prepping for the segment when they drafted him they drafted him, and Miko Rantanen was the only right wing that they really had of note, assuming JT right. Comfer is a center. Yeah. And now, now you have <laughs> Miko Rantanen, Andre Burakovsky, yeah. Jonas Donskoy, and Matt Nieto. Yeah. And, and maybe Matt Calvert. Right. And some of those guys can play in the left as well. They can. But it's before what looked like a red carpet to the second line for Cout is now a uh, earn your third line spot type of thing. It's a great way to put it. And with yeah. that with with that in mind, I mean, you look at if Burkowski doesn't work out and they let him go after one year, first of all, terrible evaluation. So hopefully yeah. that doesn't happen. But uh, that would open up one spot next year. The only other the only other like right wing spot that would appear to be potentially opened up is Manietto's. Who's a UFA after this season? And as much as I like Matt Nieto, and as much as I I like how he fits, uh, going going into his late twenties, you know, you don't need to really sign him because you do have these guys behind him that you want to take that job. That's where Cout needs to step up. Right, I agree one hundred percent. There, you know, it, that should be the spot that Cout is targeting. The idea would be to get him into the lineup this year through injury call-ups or, or however he falls in, but mm-hmm. ready to go to take that spot full-time by the end of this season. And one area where we have seen, uh, where we have not, I should say, have not seen the Avalanche be successful is integrating young players into a competitive lineup. Yeah. We've seen them drop lots of young players into a lineup because, hey, they've got nobody else technically better to, to offer up there. And we'll let it, we'll move them around and they can figure it out from there. But we have not seen them balance competitiveness with a willingness to play young players very much. You know, yeah, it's the, the kill years in a row. The kill McCarr thing was a rarity, but you see how they've acted with Vladislav Kamenev, who is a guy that they've been very high on, but got hurt and then prioritized their playoff runs when he got healthy and said, we can't, we can't 
and justifiably, like that was a justifiable decision. Sure. I don't have any issues with that, with that choice. Don't get me wrong here. I'm not, uh, I'm not in any way second guessing them on that choice. Just saying they've prioritized the winning in those situations over it's, uh, the, the young player development at the same, you know, yeah. which also happens at the same time. How are they going to manage that? And the ramp- expectations are ramped up higher than they have been in many years here in Colorado. And they arguably have more young talent that they need to try and find spots for over the next two years. They need to, how they manage that will be one of the big storylines to follow this season. It is. We saw it last year on the defensive side. Yes, they did eventually get to Ryan Graves and he proved to be a solid piece for them. And that's great. But they tried Alt first. They tried Lindholm first. They tried these older guys first. They weren't willing to commit to that younger player right away. Mm Mm-hmm. That's something I would like to see them maybe be a little bit more aggressive about, especially on the forward side this year. When you see a Matt Nieto, say he gets hurt or or someone goes down, obviously you don't want anyone to get hurt, but Mm -hmm. it's going to happen. And there's going to be a Martin Kaut sitting right there. There's going to be a Kamenev sitting right there. There's going to be a Greer sitting right there. Everyone you mentioned, Dries, O'Connor, whoever. I'd rather have them... Than say a TJ Tynan, in my opinion. Right. TJ Tynan, it just doesn't feel like is gonna help you. Right. Like exactly. you signed TJ Tynan to be a top six forward for your AHL team, not to moonlight as a potential fourth line guy for your NHL team. And you know, maybe maybe he has like like with Agazino last year, he goes yeah. out and he plays point per game and he just tears it up. And you say, What does it hurt to give the guy a look? You yeah. know, and with Agazino, he was a nice story. He got the goal early on. He got it. He got his first NHL goal, and that was awesome. Uh, but and then he was not effective. <laughs> and he was in to, in his defense, he was asked to play fourth line center, which he's not. Correct. You know, That's, he's never been a center with his game at all. Yeah, he's never been a center. And then last year, for some reason, Greg Cronin and the Eagles, and then the Avs uh, later on with Bednar were like, "You're our center." Sure, yeah. <laughs> and you wonder if that was just, do they just not have a center option they were comfortable with? Because, uh, you know, Shvirev was was too young, too green. Uh, they just, they, they they played guys out of position in order for that, for those centers is what I'm saying. And it's great. They that kind they, of moved on from Tonanato. Yeah. Right. And it's great that they, it's great that they brought in a, a guy like Tynan to do that. Yeah. But. You can only rely on him so much is what kind of kind of my point here is that you don't want to if you're asking that guy to play NHL games for you, it's to me it's silly. It's a waste of time. And the argument yeah. the argument when it inevitably happens will be, oh, well then that just means that one of the AHL guys gets to step up and play bigger minutes and play more minutes. And at some, and like, while true, at some point you've got to prioritize, you know, Hey, you brought in this guy for a reason and you need to start, you need to start figuring out how to incorporate young guys into your lineup while you're still winning games and not just say, Oh, this guy's a veteran and he can come in and blah, 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 because you are building for the future and you are, you are in some way here, a victim of your own success in that you have a more stocked, AHL team with actual prospects than you have in the past. So now you have to start choosing between those guys and they only have a handful of these veterans 
uh, on NHL deals, there's guys like Eric Condra on AHL deals that f- even further muddy the waters down there. Yeah. Yep. But these are these are guys that need to be getting big minutes for the Eagles playing p- prominent roles, but also need to be prioritized as the top call-ups this year. Right. I The mantra of calling up a player that does no harm eventually just isn't good enough. We saw a perfect example of that with Sheldon Dries last year. He had a couple of good games. Mm-hmm. That's great. I'm glad they gave him an opportunity, but for the majority of his time, he just was extremely low impact. Wasn't that negative either. Just wasn't that positive. Right. And, and, and you're tired of that. Right. Like you need more. It, you're asking for more. You've got to be raising. If you're raising the standards on expectations, you've got to be raising the standards on the caliber of play that you're getting out of, out of certain lines. And if you continue to do the same thing over again, over and over again with, uh, regards to how you're, wh- which guys you're calling up to your fourth line, you're going to get predictable low end results. Give yourself an opportunity. The Avs need to give themselves an opportunity to have a higher, a higher ceiling than that. Even if it is on lower lines, give yourself more skill there to work with and let it do its work. Now, granted, it, it's tough for these guys because they're not used to uh, playing as, as little as they will be, and it'll be hard for them to find the same kind of rhythm when they don't have the same uh, puck touches that they're accustomed to. It'll be harder for them to work, but they've got to figure that out. That's how you sink or swim. It's on them to figure that out. You can't yep. just go and get the, the older guy because they understand how to do that even though their floor is is a lot lower and their ceiling is a lot lower and just say, oh, well, we don't have to wait for those guys to adjust. You're, yeah, you're exactly. never going to get a full slate of guys who need no adjustment time. Right. It takes time and you have to give them the time for them to make that adjustments or they just will never be able to. But I think that's a good place to, to call off segment two here. AJ, have I told you how excited I am about officially being a part of BSN now? I just, it's super awesome, man. I, I can't wait to make more content with you. And honestly, man, uh, there are very, 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 very few people uh, that were not already working in, as, as a paid member of an abs, the Avs Media, somewhere doing something that deserved it more than you did. And, uh, you know, when Jesse did decide that he needed to focus elsewhere, there was a reason that 14 seconds after that happened, I showed up on your doorstep and was like, hey, dude, and, and started, <laughs> I got a podcast. started started giving you the podcast eyes, uh, <laughs> you know, because you've, you've been doing great work for a long time. I've always enjoyed your content. I've always enjoyed uh, the grind, uh, your, your willingness to just do this because it was a labor of love for you. Uh, as a lot of people are familiar, that's exactly how it started out for me. And... For me, I I always look to try to reward those people who are cr- creating content because they want to create content. It's not it's not always about the money. Look, hey, getting getting a paycheck for this is awesome. You know, your your home studio setup is about to be very very cool and I'm very excited about that. But you you were doing this because you love doing it and that for us man just made you uh, stand out from the crowd and it made me excited to work with you and want to bring you on board. And, and the upcoming season is, is really exciting. And I'm really, I'm, I could not be happier for you on a personal level, knowing how satisfying it is to going to go from, Oh, I'm just doing this thing to, Hey, maybe this is a real thing for me now. And I'm, 
I'm I'm proud of how hard you've worked, and I'm I'm very 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 excited that I get to be a part of the group that gives you the opportunity to to stretch your legs and you know see just just all the different things that you can do because working together with you is is going to be a lot of fun, man. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited for the opportunity. It's great to be a part of the BSN family. And another thing that is great about being a part of this family is that we now have multiple subscribers that have partnered with us to help promote their business. So check out House Lift Colorado and to tell your friends and family about it to support our local BSN family as well. House Lift can assist in eliminating all the stress of the remodeling process while matching the current trends and buyers what they most desire. And get this. There are zero upfront costs from you, the homeowner. That's right. You won't pay for any of the upfront costs for the remodel until your house closes. Houselift has up has put anywhere from 15 to 60K more into their clients' pockets. Call 303-885-7888 today and find out what Houselift can do for you. Oh yeah, if you hire one of Houselift's preferred realtors, they will sell you they will sell your home without charging a listing commission. That's it for segment two. We'll be back in segment three to discuss a little bit of the higher end young guys and how they fit into the lineup as well. Third and final segment of the BSN Avalanche podcast with Nathan and AJ. We've talked about the guys that are kind of on the fringes, maybe call-ups this season. Time to talk about some of the guys that will certainly be in the lineup We've started with Kamenev. He's kind of slotted as the 13th forward. He almost certainly, assuming he's healthy, will get into games this season. And we also have a few players further up the lineup. We alluded at the start of the show, Tyson Jost is going to have an opportunity in the top six. And that's where I think the whole shaping of the roster starts in the early part of the season. If he can hold down that spot, things will start to fall into place. If he struggles, we're going to see some line juggling. This is such a big year for him. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, certainly not the only guy. But, you know, we've seen enough flashes over the last couple of years that it's easy to still believe in it. Uh, the the finish that he had. Yeah, three goals in three games to end the playoffs. And he'd been really good process-wise up until that point. He just hadn't been playing very much. Right. It makes it very easy to believe, like, oh man, he's gonna he's gonna be so good. Yeah. But this is like this is the first off, he'd been showing those flashes at center, which he has told me, and I've put on the record, he is much more comfortable as a center than on the wing. He's gonna have to do it at the wing. Yeah, Nazem Kadri is the two C and that ain't changing. <laughs> right. The the only way that might get upset is if they decide JT Confer is not gonna be the three C. Yeah. For whatever reason. And then maybe Jost goes there. But even then, that's not what you were hoping to get out of Tyson Jost as a 10th overall pick, which at this point, what's done is done. And you kind of kind of need to move on from that. Once you're in the league, it doesn't really matter where you were picked, does it? (laughs) Right. Like you're still hoping to get that. But that's one of the reasons why we're still as hopeful about Jost as we are is because, hey, there was that really high end potential and you know, you don't give up on it. Really, the third year is kind of the make or break year. What that will decide is, is Tyson Jost going to live up to this billing or is he going to be, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say a bust because he's an NHL player. Right. And it's more of like a, just like a a disappointment relative to his draft position, not an outright bust, which is like not an NHL player. (laughs) 
yeah, I don't, I don't consider him a bust either, but is it his ceiling of a top six player or is he going to settle into a third liner type of, of guy that helps your team, but doesn't have the impact that was hoped for. Yeah. And as, as a second line, right wing next to Kadri and presumably Burakovsky, <laughs> that's going to be a wild line to keep an eye on. Yeah. The first 10, 15 games of this year, that's going to just be a total adventure. <laughs> I'm, I really, personally, I have no expectations because I don't have any clue how they're going to react, uh, how they're going to go. I have it, expectations it of Kadri. The other two, we'll see. <laughs> well, and it's, see, the reason I don't uh, is because if I have expectations of Kadri, like if I if I say, hey, he's going to have 65 points and he's going to get back to being a 25 to 30 goal scorer, then I, on, on some level, have expectations of the guys next to him because it's hard to put up those kinds of numbers without serious help. That's, yeah, that's... It, it, would be, it would be difficult, I think, to have those expectations and then be like, oh, well, but none of Jost or Burakovsky, Donskoy... Comfer or Wilson are going to get more than 35 points each right. individually. I, I Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's hard to put a number on it. I'm more talking about the expectations of, of Kadri driving that line and, and doing the, the things that he needs to do as a center. <laughs> he going to do that. Right. That's <laughs> I'm confident. No about. doubt in my mind that's going to happen. He is way too good of a player for that not to happen. That's what I'm saying. And, and that's Ow. that's the only thing I'm willing to to put my confidence behind. And this is gonna happen with mm-hmm. his wings. Total wild card on both sides. No idea. It's and and uh, <laughs> between Jost and Burakovsky, like you're realistically, you're like, can we just if if the abs can just get one true top six second line guy, 20 goal score, 50 point guy out of those two, you'll feel really good about it. Yeah, I agree. But holy smokes, if they get two, they're going, they are, everybody else is in so much trouble if that happens. Yeah, it's, if, if that actually forms into a complete three player second line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be silly. Well, and then and then you have like your expected thirty-five-ish points from both Donskoy and Comper. Yep. Um, Wilson was on that kind of pace last year. Had he stayed healthy, you know, you're all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, this is gonna be a super deep team, <laughs> and they're gonna be they're gonna be so they're gonna be so it's gonna be so hard for those younger guys that we've talked spent this whole show talking about to break in if all those guys play that way. Yeah, it's. Where are you going to put AJ Greer if all those guys are rocking 20, 30 point seasons in your bottom six? You know, are you going to get to, can you reliably get that out of AJ Greer? No, you don't know. Yeah. So it's hard to, it would be impossible. I mean, you love Martin Kaut as a first round pick. He had a really respectable opening year in the AHL, especially given the conditioning issues he had coming in. We saw him at dev camp. Both of us were very excited about him. Mm-hmm. And it's hard not to to amp up the hype machine just a little bit because we liked him at Dev Camp the way that we did. As much as we try and and tell people, whoa, 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 you still can't help but be excited about what you've seen. Right. And that's a guy that we believe has the talent. We've seen him play with high-level talent and succeed. And 
he was a, he was a mid first round pick for a reason. You know, like that's, that's a guy right. that you want to find a, a spot for on your roster, and you might be struggling to because you've built enough depth that you you're kind of just like, ah, well, yeah, they're it, good now, right? It, if you have quality players not in the NHL because you just have better players, that's not something to complain about. I don't think there's any right. doubt about that. And this is kind of a very pie in the sky sort of view of this. The real concern is what if this goes wrong? Right. At what point do you pull the plug and say, Colin Wilson's not coming back? It's this, time this, to take the next step, right? This yeah, this we need to we need to put AJ Greer on the third line and give him those minutes and see what it is. Or, you know, replace Greer with any of the guys that we've talked about in the show. You yeah. know, we want to see what these other guys can give us. How long do you wait? That is to do that because if and and if you're competitive and but that part of your team isn't working, you need to be looking to do something. And I swear to God, if you use the trade deadline, I'm going to be so mad. <laughs> Don't do it. You're bad at it. Don't do it. <laughs> You've got young guys. Let the young guys come up and, and get a look at it. You know, maybe 50, 60 games. At that point, if Colin Wilson, you know, I, I hate to like single him out, but you know, maybe Colin Wilson or maybe Matt Nieto, whatever. If they've had an injury, something, uh, or if they're just ineffective, then you've got to move on. You've got to try and find solutions. You're still trying to be competitive. You're still trying to win games. But if it's not working for a guy, you need to find solutions and giving real meaningful roles to these younger guys who you do hope have bigger futures is something that they've got to learn how to do. But those young guys also need to do their thing in the AHL. Right. You're not, if, if Martin Kaut's not having a good AHL season, it's real hard to be like, come on down. Let's give you an <laughs> NHL promotion. You know, like it's really difficult to do but, that. And, and that's where having a bunch of them helps because if someone's having an off season down there, you have a Logan O'Connor, you have an AJ Greer, someone who's going to be having a good season down there that you can provide that opportunity to. And I will say, Colin Wilson, Andre Burakovsky, Matt Nieto, all three basically in the past 10 years have never played a full season. So there is a lot of injury history in this lineup that may lend itself towards opportunities for these prospects. And that's where I think you make the big gains, where if you bring up a prospect, he looks good filling in for an injury. That's where I think Colin Wilson could lose a job. Yeah, his his role is the bringing back of Wilson stands out as maybe the most bizarre thing they did this summer. Yeah, I mean, it felt panicky. It's right. It's one of those culmination things. That like, move is the one that sticks out because they made all these other ones, too. Well, and, and when they did it, it felt like, you know, they'd been talking with Furland. Yep. They didn't want to give term to Furland. They'd already given term to Donskoy. They were, they're trying to give term to Rantanen. They were clearly comfortable giving term uh, to Gerard and Comfer. Yep. And they then, might've had to give term to Kerfoot. We don't know. Sure. But they weren't comfortable giving term to all these guys. They wanted flexibility somewhere in case something didn't work out. Yeah. And it was weird, not weird, but I, I don't know the right word for it. Peculiar. I, I say everything is interesting, so I don't want to use that. <laughs> but like it was it was kind of odd. Unusual. That was the position where they said, 
we're comfortable with Colin Wilson's downside. We like his upside. We know he fits in really well. He really likes to be here. We kind of know what we have in this guy, and this is fine for a year for us. But they should also know that because they didn't want to commit to that guy in a in a long-term capacity, even in a multi-year capacity, that he needs to probably be one of the guys where if it's not working, there needs to be a shorter leash than some of the other guys. Right. I, I agree. If you're bringing back a guy you're comfortable with as what he is, that's exactly who you should be targeting as you're replaceable. That's just balancing upside. Yeah. You know, like that's just, that's what that is, is you're just looking for, how can we how can we get more from this? How can we get more competitive exactly. at this spot? Always and trying to get better. Knowing that that Wilson probably isn't back. You know, he was a guy who had such a strong finish, but he's also a guy who's gonna have a more limited role this year. When you look at you're gonna want Kadri on the power play, you're gonna want Burkowski on that power play. Yeah. A player like Wilson maybe finds himself playing on the third line, not getting power play time, doesn't PK either. What are you really doing then? Are you just playing five right. on five? I mean, given the, the Ryan Dezingle deal, you would have been happier seeing that contract. Yeah, exactly. You know, the the shorter term, lower money on a guy with higher upside and fits your, you know, fits a little more nicely in, in what you do. But I do, I do honestly think that they value the things that Wilson does well because they don't have a lot of it. And I think that's what they're, I honestly, I think that the guy that they were, they would like to replace Wilson with is probably count. It that's would seem to make the most sense. Just style wise, what they do well, you know, a, a, a power forward ish type of game, you know, good, good playmaker can score you some goals. Uh, more reliable on the defensive side as well. And and can win puck battles along the wall. Can Puck retrieval is the biggest part of Wilson's game that I yep. think the Avs value. For sure. And I think that's an area where Kout's going to be very good. Uh, given conditioning, given uh, that he gets out of his puck-watching habits that yep. he's developed, uh, stays a little more engaged with his feet and... Uh, given given his solid build, his overall size, right, he should be very effective in those areas. And I don't, I, if Count turns into a thirty point player, I'll be a little disappointed because I think he's got forty, 40 to fifty point yeah. upside. I agree. I think that's what he's capable of, but it in starts time. with getting into the NHL, right? <laughs> that could be years down the road, for all we know. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, so I think that covers most of it. Any final thoughts on on some of these younger guys and how they fit into the Abs this season? Man, I can't wait to see the Eagles this year. Yeah, they're going to be fun. I think they're going to be a good, good, good AHL team. Maybe for the first time in a long time, I'm expecting the Abs AHL team to be com- like very competitive. Yeah. Instead of hey, this could go well and hope for the best. I expect him to be. Uh, the Eagles to be quite good. I agree with that. I think we'll see if they can get out of their own way in a couple of senses, but Mm -hmm. they are going to have depth. They're going to have talent. They're going to have skill and it's going to be fun. And uh, their blue line looks a lot better than it did last year. A lot better. (laughs) Even with bringing some of those guys back, 
but ending ending up with a McDonald, maybe a Rosen, Renew, uh, yeah, Renew for Timmins. Yep. You know, bringing back Malosh Alt, who's who's a fine AHL player. Um, I, I I'm actually excited to watch this defense uh, and and hope that they use it in an intelligent way. I don't have that faith, but I just think the overall talent level is is significantly higher. It's a it's a much more varied group. Last year's group was uh, hamstrung quite a bit by more limited guys. Yeah, and. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and if they end up with a with a Ryan Graves or a Mark Barbario down there on top of that, they're going to be even better. Yeah, it, assuming it, those guys take it seriously and don't just pout, which isn't out of the realm of possibility. But it, it seems to be a moving target with guys who get sent down. Uh, is, how seriously yeah. they take the AHL assignment? It really is, and we'll see how it goes. But they certainly have plenty of other options if if someone isn't mm-hmm. working for them. So. Looking forward to that and and getting up there and hopefully talking to those guys quite a bit this season, at least for me. Definitely. Rudo, are you excited that Broncos season officially starts in about 20 minutes? Uh, Sure. (laughs) Of like of the tier list, the Broncos are my very solidly my fourth Denver team of the big four. Yeah, I'm not I'm not on the football bandwagon as as this behind the Nuggets. Yep. Really? Yep. All right, you and I have to go to a Nuggets game this year. I'm down for that. They're they're really fun, man. Yeah. Like, I get uh, I get a little sensory overload with them because there's just so much going on. But that's a really great team, and I'm very excited to watch them this season. I, I mean, the last time I watched the Nuggets live, I was I had fantastic seats, but it, this was in the late '90s when they were just horrible. So yeah. I got like $10 seats, six rows up or something. Yeah, I've gone to a couple games the last couple of years and uh, good seats, really, really good team. Yeah. And I think they're honestly, the, I, I think they're probably Denver's best team. They're a fun team too. They put up points. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of the games I went to uh, two years ago, Cheryl and I went and they scored like 150 points that night. Jeez. <laughs> and it was like, they, they won by like 25 points and like blew out the Pelicans and and I was just like, oh, my God, this, these guys just don't stop scoring. <laughs> it was yeah. awesome. It was a good time, man. We'll have to go. We will, I'm sure. But this is the Avs pod, so we'll we'll chop it there. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We do have one more show this week coming up on Friday. So keep your eyes out for that tomorrow, and you will hear from us then. The Colorado Golf Association is dedicated to preserving, improving, and serving the game of golf here in Colorado. And right now they're conducting their annual Dream Golf Vacation Raffle. Ed May, Executive Director of the Colorado Golf Association, gave us some more info on what exactly you can win if you enter. We had six grand prizes this year and 40 plus other prizes. So the, the big ticket items, so to speak, or the grand prizes are a trip to the BMW Championship, including VIP access, thanks to our partnership with BMW. Uh, we have a trip to Streamsong. We have a trip to Bandon Dunes. We have a trip to Sand Valley. And then we have what I think might be the coolest, a chance to take an, uh, a 7 Series BMW down to Telluride to play in a CGA-only event. The raffle tickets will go on sale on our website, coloradogolf.org. Tickets are $40, and you know all the proceeds from the raffle are going to support youth development in the state of Colorado. So you're making a great donation to a great cause, but you're also having a chance to uh, really have a fantastic dream golf vacation. 
For a chance to win, be sure to go to coloradogolfassociation.org.